career. My cricketing career began as a left arm spinner. Okay. And at the age of 18, I got the yips. Yeah. And those people listening will probably recognise in others, if not in themselves, this tightening of the muscles that happens, happens sometimes with after dinner speaking, where your okay, muscles yeah. tighten up, your fear of drying up. So the terrifying nature of being a best man or oh, speaking no. at a wedding <laughs> or a funeral or whatever yeah. is a very real thing, and that manifests itself physically in some sports, particularly the fine motor skills. But in bowling spinners, using these fingers is, okay. is very much... Yeah, uh, and it happens apparently more to left arm spinners than right arm spinners, which is something to do with the way we're wired up, I think. Anyway, okay, yeah. so, so um, my fascination with uh, what was going on for me mentally, mm -hmm. which was leading to that, and the doubt in me that created, led me to begin to talk to my mum about, about psychology. And her elder brother was a dentist. Hi there, I'm Dave Levine. Thanks for joining me on the very first show of the Sports Stories podcast. It's great to have you with me. Now, are you a parent looking for inspiration and ideas or just interested in getting an insight into how successful players, coaches, managers, administrators and even parents found their way in sport? Then stay with us, you're in the right place. Look out for the never shared before insights in the life stories of individuals, some of who you may know, who are making a difference in sport locally, nationally and even internationally. Hear their incredible challenges and difficulties they have overcome, who has inspired them, what has been their key motivations and crucially hear the top tips and advice they would give you to both better yourself and those around you. I really believe there is inspiration and brilliant insight we can gain from everyone's story. So wherever you are, in the car, at the gym, having your lunch break or just being at home, Take this protected time, listen deeply and enjoy. So if you like the Sports Stories podcast, please share with your colleagues and friends. Follow us on social media and subscribe. Also, please give us your feedback and any suggestions so we can make this even more enjoyable and beneficial to you. Okay, Lordy, um, thanks for, for being with me today. It, it's a real great pleasure to have you along on the Sports Stories podcast. Um, little may you know, but um, you've been a real inspiration in my journey and I've been reflecting over the past uh, couple of weeks or so and thinking about how long ago it was that we came together and we started working together and it's over 20 years. Scary, isn't it? It, it is really scary. So uh, welcome and thanks for, for being part of this. Um, the purpose is really to, to bring together some, some real inspiration for the people out there that are listening to the podcast. Um, as, a, as a starter, would you just give us a little bit of a background as to... Um, your your career and your story in sport. I'd love to, Dave. Well, first of all, thanks very much. It's a, it's great to catch up. Actually, it's been a little while, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, just reflecting on your introduction there, um, I'm going to embarrass you straight away by saying <laughs> um, you probably don't know the value of the support you've offered me over the years. I think we've ended up mentoring each other. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Um, certainly, my early memories of of being involved in coach development and coach education were when you were working with Sports Coach UK and CoachWise and, and looking yeah. at helping us with the complexes of qualification design and, and um, your ability to simplify the complex I think was, was something which um, I took a great deal from and then also your extraordinary ability to challenge in a way that didn't upset me right. and I'm quite, <laughs> I'm quite a precious flag you see so I'm easily upset um, so 
your, your, your early impact and yeah. something which is, is, I've continued to reflect on over the years and um, I know about the great work you've done with so many people, not only in cricket but in, in the football world as well and yeah. something beyond that. Um, so it's great to talk and, and uh, yeah, I'd love to tell you, I'd love to talk about myself, Dave. No, that's good, that's great. So, so go on, I, I'm really conscious that you've had a, a real um, history and um, huge impact on the world of sports. So yeah, give us a bit of a, your, your, briefly your story. Yeah. Um, so my, my passion for coaching and my main love in sport was cricket. Yeah. Still is cricket. Yeah. Um, interesting using the past tense there, isn't it? <laughs> Given where we're working now, yeah. where we're sitting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, so I bumped into cricket really through, I was very lucky, my dad played a little bit of cricket. I yeah. was a young man quite a lot. Yeah. And... Um, and my first memory of the game was watching him play at Rowington Cricket Club for the Doctors Against the Clergy, and I was seven years old, and yeah. sipping a tomato juice and a packet of crisps. <laughs> and I just loved the, the, the smell of the freshly cut grass and the yeah. sort of bit of banter going on, the noise and the, sure. the action, the peacefulness, the stillness and the movement, whatever it was about the game. And I right. sort of just got hooked on it a bit. Right. And so I, I think I knew from quite an early stage I wanted to play the game. Okay. Um, which I did and ended up having a short professional career which I loved and was frustrated by at the same time so I never probably fulfilled my potential as a, a player okay. and my reflections on that were really that, that I became very good at getting in my own way I, yeah. I sort of um, I doubted myself I lacked a sense of real deep self-belief which okay. obviously in elite sport you're going to get it's going to get challenged yeah yeah um, so my own journey as a player really informed my desire to coach and yeah. I think it's more deep-seated than that in me because dad was a surgeon, mum was a doctor and they were both helpers and carers and, yeah. and so I think my perspective on coaching was it's helping people get better Yeah. and get better means improve but also be better in terms of not how I didn't know about mental health or anything else yeah. in those days but this just this sense of people becoming stronger, becoming better in themselves so, and therefore quite often connected to become better in their sport. Yeah. So it's really about, you know, how it's interesting for me about how, how sport has been an avenue for helping you become better as a person yeah. and to grow as a person. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes, it, I think it was probably, I mean, I, I think the way we're, what we're exposed to early years in particular, yeah. you know, I, a lovely family, mum and dad aren't here now, but a huge impact, yeah. really. And um, what we give it there, sorry. Yeah. And uh, and then having the opportunity through being given the opportunity to go to a school where cricket was actually played, which yeah. you know is not that common. No, no. Um, being lucky enough to live next to a reasonably close to a cricket club, which had a decent junior section where I could play. So the sort of confluence of, of factors which enabled me probably to at least get the exposure which gave me the opportunity to fulfill my potential yeah. ultimately I didn't yeah um, but again my dad always said to me that you you spend quite often a lot of your life working in your second talent without knowing what your first talent is ah, and uh, and I, I don't actually think I was put here to play I think I was here to coach so, yeah. so maybe you are fulfilling your potential. Maybe now. Yeah, maybe now. I'm certainly very much more 
That's interesting. I think I'm more confident in my ability now yeah. as a developer of other coaches yeah. and people yeah. than I was in my ability to perform with bat and ball. So, so Lordy, what, if you could summarise it, is there, a, is there, is there a, a quote or a message or a, a, um, a phrase that is kind of underpins what you do and how you do it now? Yeah, I, um, I, my cricketing career began as a left arm spinner. Okay. And at the age of eighteen, I got the yips. So I, I, <laughs> I yeah, I, I that awful. It's nice. Yeah. And those people listening will probably recognise. In others, if not in themselves, this tightening of the muscles that happens happens sometimes with after dinner speaking, where your okay, yeah. muscles tighten up, your fear of drying up. So the terrifying nature of being a best man or speaking at a wedding <laughs> or a funeral or whatever yeah. is a very real thing, and that manifests itself physically in some sports, particularly the fine motor skills. But in bowling spinners using these fingers is, okay. is very much. Yeah, uh, and it happens apparently more to left arm spinners than right arm spinners, which is something to do with the way we wired up. I think anyway. Okay. Yeah. So, so um, my fascination with uh, what was going on for me mentally, mm -hmm. which was leading to that, and the doubt in me that created, led me to begin to talk to my mum about about psychology. Right. Her elder brother was a dentist not with us now, but he was a dentist, one of the first dentists to use hypnotherapy in treating people with root canal work and okay, yeah, stuff, yeah, so yeah. didn't knock him out, just hypnotise him. And, <laughs> and she said, she said, how do you feel about being hypnotised? And I rejected it, right. um, for fear of losing control, I think. There was this, um, I'm exposing myself, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to be saying, I don't like the idea of being out of control. Yeah. So she gave me a copy of... Um, uh, a book called I'm Okay, You're Okay, which is about right. transactional analysis and about yeah. early experience. And um, and I think she was recognising there was a bit of not okayness in me. Yeah. And um, so that really stimulated my interest. And um, and then dear old Neil Abbey, who was the coach of Warwick, she gave me a copy of Tim Norway's book, The Union Game of Tennis. Yeah, okay, no, well, yeah. And um, you asked me for a, a quote which sticks with me and informs my work. Yeah. In each of Tim's five books, in a game of tennis, in a game of golf, in a game of music, in a game of work, and in a game of skiing, Tim refers to his performance equation, which is performance equals potential minus interference. Right. So, so I recognised in myself that, that there was interference going on in my head, which was getting in the way of me achieving my performance potential. Okay. So performance equals potential minus interference. And, and my reflection on my early experience of being a coach, because I finished at 31 and had to decide whether or not I wanted to go and work in HR and training and development. I've yeah, yeah. Lucas Group for a number of years. During the winter, wonderful guy called Dick Chase, who was the HR manager at Engineering Systems yeah. in Shirley and Solihull, um, was the chairman of, of mostly cricket club at the time. Yeah, right. <laughs> and on the evening of the day that I'd been released by Warwickshire, yeah. I was having a beer and grinding my beer a bit at Mosley Cricket Club, yeah. chatting to a couple of mates and Dick came across and said, I've been thinking about you. Mm -hmm. um, just wondered if you might be interested in a graduate traineeship we've got at going on engineering systems, looking at training development. Mm -hmm. And um, quite extraordinary actually how his insight 
Yeah. Um, he knew me a bit, but didn't yeah. know me well, but it was a chat to a couple of people. Yeah. He could see something in me I couldn't see myself. What, what could he see in you? Um, that you I, gave I don't out? know. Um, I, I always found myself trying to help when I was playing. So, okay. so I, I think I think this thing about when you're looking for a coach, don't look amongst coaches, look amongst those who coach. Okay, yeah. Um, the, the, uh, somebody said, Michael Vaughan said, when you're looking for a captain, don't look amongst the captains, look amongst those who lead. So oh, okay. there's, there's a, a sort of difference there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah. and so I, whether or not that was what Dick saw, um, funnily enough, we, we, we caught up via um, WhatsApp uh, last week, first no time for about 10 years. Right. <laughs> and uh, I'm mentoring somebody who is a family friend of the chase, and I didn't know that. So it's amazing. What a goes world. around, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a small world when you talk to people. Yeah. And even small when you listen to it. Yeah. And uh, so uh, I think I knew then that I wanted to coach. And the idea of do I go into industry or do I go into cricket yeah. or coaching yeah. was, was um, a relatively straightforward decision for me when I knew there might be an opportunity. So yeah. Uh, I got an opportunity to go and be one of the first cricket development officers under Patrick Whittingdale, scheme, who funded three development officer positions. Yeah. And I was lucky enough to get one of those working in the Reekin District Council in Shropshire. Um, and did that for nine months yeah. and then had the opportunity to apply for a national coach role with uh, what was then the National Cricket Association. Mm. Um, okay. Was recruited into that role and ended up working for. Keith Andrew, who had been the coach on my first England 19 till when I was 17. He was in his first year as being the technical director yeah, of yeah. NCA. Oh. <laughs> and Keith was one of the most inspiring men I've ever met. Okay. He was a member of the Magic Circle, practicing magician, extraordinary judge of human nature, yeah. and a visionary about coaching. So, so what was it that really inspired you about him? You've given one or two examples there, but it could, if you were to point yeah, it down. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he had the ability to um, get people to talk by, okay. by did you remember Keith? Did you, did I, I, I met him once, I think, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, in, in magic they call this thing misdirection, don't they? Yeah, and, yeah. And it's almost distracting people away from what's really happening. I was talking to a football coach about this this morning. Okay. Yeah. Um, Young coach, junior international, lost his job, yeah. and he's moving into coaching. Yeah. And I asked him about who are the best coaches you've okay. yeah. bumped into. And he gave me three names. And he said, I'll tell you what they all did. They all got us to do work we didn't realise we were doing because we thought we were doing something else. <laughs> uh, which is yeah. sort of misdirection, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah. Could and be that's seen, what that? Keith, 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 I remember sitting in a meeting and he said, <laughs> When, when the, the regional development managers first came, he sat all around the table, and I was there as the young incoming national coach. And he said, "Gentlemen, welcome to the age of unreason. Welcome <laughs> to the age of unreason. Is it? Yeah. You know, the unreasonable thinker is what he was looking for. So okay. this sort of disruptive, but considered, yeah. um, positive yeah. input into helping people change and become better. Yeah. And he just had a gift of doing that, and, and in a very generous sort of way, quite yeah. a challenging way." Yeah. Actually, ridiculously intelligent way. Okay. Um, so if you're to boil it down, then what was it that he really did, do you think, that got, got to... He, got he, what was his Keith, skill? Keith, Keith, I think, 
had the ability to foster curiosity and belief at the okay. same time. Right. So I think he, 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 a little bit like Dick Chase, he okay. could see something in me, okay. an yeah. under 17 year old, touring Australia, yeah. hardly playing a game. Okay. And he walked on the eve of the first test match at the Adelaide Oval, he walked down, I was yeah. late down to the ground, yeah. and we walked down together to the, from Aquinas College, yeah. about a mile's walk down yeah. to the, the yeah. ground. Yeah. And he talked to me on that walk about coaching. Okay. And the things that he said chimed with me so much when I reflected. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't have called it reflecting in those days. When I thought about the people who'd helped me. Yeah, yeah. And the people who'd hindered me, and there were a few. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was all about coach the person first. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm, I want you to be really modest here, Lordy, then. And if, so, so what did he see in you? What was it? I, I think probably, I, I don't know, I never asked him and he's not okay. with us anymore, but, but the, there's this thing, isn't there, about coaches sometimes have the ability to see people as they can be rather than as they are, but yeah. they get a clue from how they are. Okay. And I'd like to think, and I, you know, over the years I've, have the privilege of working with a few now and, and yeah. I have great fun with myself and it's a sort of privilege and a curse at the same time because I do find myself thinking how good could they be? You know, <laughs> Potential in them. Yeah, yeah. So is it, is it um, an, a deep analysis or is it a subconscious intuition or gut feel about somebody? I don't know. Um, I think we all probably do it in different ways, don't yeah. we? And, and we all yeah. have different triggers in terms yeah. of what we look for in people, yeah. what we look for in players. Yeah. Um, but I I think I've got an insight into who might coach and who might not. Okay. Don't know how good they're gonna be, but yeah. there's that sort of so I wonder if I've inherited that a little bit through my experience with with my parents, parents and yeah. bumping into other coaches and then, yeah. you know, just is it the law of attraction? I don't know what it is, but yeah. you, the sort of thing where where um, something causes people to make a, a gesture of yeah. human kindness, yeah. which then gets sometimes um, big impact, big yeah. results. There's so much in there that we could dig into, um, and and maybe we'll come to some more of it in a, in a second or so. But I'm, I'm also wondering from from what you've told me about your story so far. Um, can you can you take us to a place where you've um, one of the, the low times in your career and, and actually how how did how did that play out mm. or one of the tricky times in your career how did that play out and also then how did that philosophy and approach that you've broadly shared helped you or helped you mm. go through that? Well, I think I, I mean I referred already to this this my identity as a young guy was yeah. on the left arm spinner batsman yeah and and. The yips is quite a scary thing because you do feel completely bereft of the skill which Everything you thought was your thing. Yeah. Um, so that was a low point. Okay. And, yeah. and um, had it not been for Neil Abbey giving yeah. me a copy of the Inigo oh, Tennis yeah. and saying, and it's the second time I said this today, I've been thinking about you. Okay. Um, yeah. Which is a very powerful it's signal. Really powerful because it means that people are actually bother about you when you're not there. And so this caring, this feeling you matter is an important thing for me. Yeah. Um, Professor Tony Gay has written a really interesting article actually, it's a two-pager, I'll send it to you. Yeah. Um, about the importance of mattering or not yeah. mattering. Okay. And the significant impact that has on wow. people. And um, 
it's all about the relational side of coaching and understanding human nature, which I think is what coaching's about. Really. Yeah, and it's that, and in, in, and in your your lower periods of your career, you know, the highs, and obviously you've hit, we've all hit lows and we have lows. Yeah. Um, is is that caring thing that's really one of the, the, the fundamentals that's come out in terms of helped you through? You know. Other coaches that you can identify or people around you that have helped you through those periods because they've shown that they cared. Is that yeah. what you're kind of saying? Yeah, not always not always coaches. So, okay, so okay. another low point was when I lost my Warwickshire contract at the age of twenty six. Okay. Yeah. Twenty five, twenty six. Yeah. Can't remember what year it was nineteen eighty six, nineteen eighty five, can't remember. Okay. Um yeah. and my old housemaster from school, Roger uh, Usher, okay. wrote me a lovely letter. And um, it's just little things like that, isn't it? People keeping in touch. It's not a big thing. It's not writing a book or an essay. It's a little one side of handwritten paper saying, keep your chin up. You know, it's more natural, actually the big difference. Your natural enthusiasm and joy for life will get you through. You're a strong man, get on with it. You know, oh, man, that's powerful. powerful. Yeah, really yeah. powerful. So. so it is that little gesture, isn't it, sometimes? Um, yeah. Now I know there's a hard side. Performance coaching is about you know what do you call it, marginal gains and all that stuff. But I think when we're talking about the big percentages, yeah, actually, um, particularly now, even more so than ever, yeah, caring about people is really significant. Yeah, and people who know they're secure. Yeah. So an old friend of mine, Chris Grant, yeah, quotes Wilfred Bion. Okay, yeah. He was a psychoanalyst Second World War time and yeah. he said you can focus on your security or you can focus on your work but you can't focus on both. So when we feel secure in yeah. ourselves, yeah. that allows us to be free to focus on the job that needs to be. Yeah. But if we're worried about losing that job, yeah. we won't perform. Now I think that's quite interesting. That, again, that's powerful, isn't it, yeah. in terms of... Yeah. yeah. So, so I'm probably going to talk about a lot of different people and None of this is really my own. That's the thing. I I think I'm yeah, sort of yeah. I'm a I'm a, a magpie in terms of stuff that I've bumped into, and more yeah. importantly for me, people I've bumped into yeah. that have impacted on my yeah. emerging philosophy. And I learn every day. I'm still, yeah. you know, I'm, meet, <laughs> I'm meeting some amazing people through the work I'm now doing in yeah. different sports yeah. and in business. And yeah, it's just a privilege, isn't it? Really, it is. Well, but you know, in the journey that I've been on alongside with you, though, you know, it, it's. It's taken a lot of hard work as well, you know, to, to, to form the knowledge and the experience and what you've done, yeah. you know, and, and, and I guess an area I'd like to draw you to then is also, um, you know, I asked you a little bit about one of the, the lower times in your career. What would, you, what would be one of the, the high, high moments, an area that you celebrated and how have you referred that back to your sort of philosophy and your approach and maybe even those statements that you mentioned earlier on that's really helped you? Yeah. And, and what part did they play in? Yeah, from a, from a playing perspective, so from a playing career, yeah. if I think of my, you'll, you'll laugh at this, but if I think of myself as the athlete. <laughs> you are an athlete. Of course, yeah. Um, then, then there were probably two really significant moments which, which I have reflected on significantly since. The yeah. first one would have been as a, a young, struggling Warwickshire player. Okay, yeah. Having... Um, done three years away at university, yeah. um, understanding that the end bit of my third year was the point where um, 
I'd have a summer contract and then there was no contract at the end of that. Okay. Yeah. And I managed to break into the first team at Warwickshire. Yeah. And um, actually got some runs, debuted and did all right. Yeah. And then a couple of years later, again having had this sort of in and out first team, second team career, um, I played against Yorkshire at Edgebaston and got a big score, got 199, ran myself out. Oh, wow. and, um, and, and I remember David Brown, who was the manager and a really good man, yeah. old England fast bowler, who was one of the first cricket managers actually. He didn't regard himself as a coach, but he was a great coach because he managed people. People, yeah. People. yeah. And um, there was a rain interruption, I was about 40 not out, and there was a rain interruption. I actually played really nicely, and, and it was a flat pitch and a short boundary one side. and. Brownie just came up to me quietly, sat down beside me and said, Lordy, you can piss a hundred out there. Excuse my language. But yeah. then he still walked away. And the, because he wasn't a great giver of praise. Yeah, okay. And he wasn't a great um, effervescent speaker. Right. But it was delivered with such certainty okay. and such belief that it fostered that belief in me. Yeah. And I thought, you, tell. you know, I can. And I did. Mm. And um, somebody believing in you. Yes. Really. Yeah, yeah. Sort of vicarious, whatever it is. I, I yeah, don't yeah. Really call it. But it, yeah. you know, self belief is much more complex than that. But for me, in that yeah, moment, yeah, yeah. and the timing of it, yeah. and the fact that I was in a good place to receive it, yeah. it didn't feel hollow. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't the genuine, genuineness. Yeah. yeah. And that was actually it came right from the heart of the man. Oh. It, it was a it was a a thing we don't call it authentic now. Yeah. And I don't know what the word would I'd have chosen then, but it was just brownie. Yeah, I thought he's bloody right. Yeah, and it just awakened something in me. It released me, and I stopped talking to myself about how I couldn't. Couldn't. And I thought yeah. about how I could, yeah. and so just did. So flip the message. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that that was a really significant moment, and then and then yeah, a couple of years later, I got the sack, and, yeah. Um, yeah. and and then um, went to Worcester, and again, you know, did all right, and then got dropped and dropped in that side four or five times. Yeah. And then I got to a point where it was midway through the last year of my contract. Yeah. Again, first ever two-year contract yeah. I got. And um, midway through the second year, and I'd already been told that I was going to be released at the end of the year. And then there, were, there was an injury to the opening batsman, and the other opening batsman got an upset stomach, so I had to go down. <laughs> I had to go down to um, Chelmsford and open the batting. Okay. And sorry, not Charles, Canterbury, playing against Kent. Yeah. And um, I got that sense of freedom again. I think, and I think it was a, well, you've got nothing to lose here. You've got everything to gain. Yeah. So it wasn't like, I, I, well, I'm going at the end of the year as well, I might just. Yeah. And Phil Neal, the England team manager, when he was captain at the time, he phoned me up and said, Lordy, we'd like you to play. And I said, well, I'm a I'm Charles, I play second team. Yeah. yeah. Um, I can get down to Canterbury, but. Um, not in great nick. Yeah. And he said, Lordy, if you're going to go down, go down doing it your way. Yeah. Again, so it allows you to do it your came, way. It came from a good place. So okay. the thing about um, intent, allied to belief, yeah. is is really important. I yeah. Think. Now, some that, that works for me. It wouldn't work for everybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Though some people need very different approaches. And yeah. My early coaching career was so massively informed by how I'd like to have been coached, that I went too far down the okay. let's support, not challenge. Yeah. And actually chatting with you in those early days, yeah. you know, I think 
that's where I got the challenge bit from as well. It yeah. doesn't have to be challenged, it doesn't have to be nasty. No, it no, hard. no. And, but it's um, coming from the right place again yeah. though, isn't it? It's the challenge from the right intent in the right yeah, place. Yeah. And um, many years later, I bumped into Rick Charlesworth, who's written some brilliant okay. stuff. Uh, you're, no, I know, no. And um, his great line is, comfort the discomforted okay. and discomfort the comfortable. Okay, yeah. So, so I think I was quite good at yeah. comforting the discomforted. Yeah. Can you give us an example of when that's either either of those points played out in your coaching? Coaching. Yeah, I can. I, and I've told the story many times. I, one of my very great privileges in my early coaching career was to coach Ben Holyoke, who okay, was yeah. a young all-rounder, Australian-born, yeah. who um, played for England in the fourteens. But that was fairly soon after I became involved, and Ben was a phenomenally talented young cricketer who mm-hmm. in that under 14 side had experienced a bit of a bad patch Yeah, and we were at Loughborough and I was throwing some balls to him in the net and uh, I was pumping his tyres up, I was giving him what I needed <laughs> and I was saying, God, it's brilliant Ben, you're looking great Nick, sunshine, yeah, well done, yeah. brilliant. And he walked down the net to me, 14 years old, he was six foot then but he walked down the net to me right. and he said, Gordon, can I call you Gordon? I went, yeah. And he said, um, I don't need you to tell me I'm good, I know I'm good, I need to know how to get better. <laughs> and I can't imagine me as a 35-year-old saying that to somebody, let alone a 14-year-old. But that gave me the insight into, yeah. he doesn't need me pumping his tyres, so he might not be a nick, but he's got no question about his self-belief, he needs to stop it. Yeah. So, so that was Why a, am I pumping his tyres up for yeah, who? Yeah. Out of the mouths of babes, so, you know, it's yeah. classic. <laughs> so the whole thing, and then, then you know, the, the likes of Mike Fordham at Bradford University Management School and the uh, programme which Mickey Stewart yeah. got us in all involved with, which was the precursor to the Level 4 programme, just talked about this flexible style that we need and the understanding of people we have to know how to get the best out of them, which might be different to how we get the best out of yeah. ourselves. So we're all inclined to coach in our own image, aren't we? Yeah. When we, when we start. Uh, and, and, and then more recently then, give us a, uh, can you give me an example of a, a scenario or a situation where your style has really come through, your flexibility, and you've seen, seen the real, the highlights of, of your interactions and your involvement? Bringing it a bit more up to date. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I, I, as you're aware, I, I when I finished um, working with the ECB yeah. three years ago now, okay, and then went to the RFU to do a very similar role, yeah. so working with yeah. elite and emerging elite coaches in rugby yeah. football union, which yeah. is a sport that I'm actually very fond of and played a bit as a kid, but okay. I have absolutely no experience or understanding of what yeah. it's like to play at the top end. Yeah. Um, so the challenge for me was, was going into high-performance environments okay. and um, with precious little knowledge of the sport. So, in fact, not being able to speak, let alone understand the language of the sport, yeah. having to focus on the people and having wow. to focus on how they may wish to develop, accepting yeah. they wouldn't be expecting yeah. technical input or yeah. tactical input from me. Yeah. And I... Um, very early in the piece, my, my boss asked me to go up to Newcastle yeah. to meet with the director of rugby okay. there. And um, I don't know, 
I'll tell you his name in a minute, but I'd heard of him and he's got a phenomenal playing career record. Yeah, yeah. Um, he'd been a multi-capped British and Irish Lion and was a legend of the game. Yeah. Ex-policeman. Okay. Massive alpha male. Yeah. Um, and a bit scary for everybody. My boss, in the same way that Mickey Stewart used to throw me into environments which would stretch me, my boss had done the same. Okay, yeah. Se second meeting out of Twickenham, Nippon. Go up to see your castle, go and see <laughs> Go and see Dean Richards. Okay, wow. So, not wanting to be late, I jumped in my car at four o'clock in the morning. I was driving past Durham, my old university, at, <laughs> at quarter to eight. I didn't have to be up at, at the ground until in Newcastle until quarter to twelve. So I thought, well, I might as well just pop into Durham and go and have a cup of tea. Oh, so I, I took myself into, into Durham and parked up on Palace Green, where yeah. the old library was. And yeah. the Palace Green tea rooms where Tracy and I used to go. And okay, yeah. Um, um, oh, it's just, uh, it's lovely. And they just opened the doors up there. I got, I got out of the car, it's about eight o'clock. And um, nobody else in there and like a cup of tea. And I said, I'd love a cup of tea. And I talked to the people there about how I'd been there years before. And um, I said, do you want a newspaper? Give me a newspaper. <laughs> and then somebody came in from outside with a couple of trays, and on those trays was beautiful chocolate cakes. Right. I said, would you like a piece of chocolate cake? And I said, it's breakfast time. Yes, please. Please. <laughs> <laughs> and, True um, to false. <laughs> and I did. I sat there, had a lovely hour and a half there, and yeah. read the paper, settled myself down a bit, calm and nervous. Okay, yeah, yeah. Got a bit, I was a bit starstruck with this idea of going to have to talk to, to Dean Richards. Even yeah. I knew Dean Richards was. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> And then I got in the car and slightly the nerves started to come again. I was driving up to Kingston Park. Yeah. And um, I went and sat in the, in the it's not a pavilion, in the yeah, clubhouse. Yeah. And there were a few players around and people milling around a little bit. And I was chatting to a couple of people, just trying to settle myself Stop down. Me, yeah. And I was just aware of this huge looming presence behind me. And I turned round and there was a, it went dark. It was the Hindrich standing behind me. He said, okay. he must be Gordon. He said, why, you must have set up early. I said, earlier than you think. I said, what time did you set off? I said, quarter past four. He said, where have you been? I said, I've been to the Palace Green Tea Rooms. Yeah. And he said, uh, it's nice there, isn't it? I said, it is. He said, do you have a piece of chocolate cake? <laughs> I said, you know I did. I said, how do you know about that? He says, my wife makes that. No. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, so, and, and, he was actually a real inspiration to me in terms of understanding how, in that sport, yeah. managing people and leading people is still at the heart of it. You've got to know that the differentiator is that the threshold is knowing the game. Yeah. But actually, so the lessons I, I'd learned through the bitter experience and some real privileged access to some amazing people in cricket. Yeah then allowed me to feel as I could at least contribute in, in, in that environment. But the, the, probably the most significant learning I've had through my career in elite sport yeah. is that in the main, elite people are just people. Some difficult ones, of yeah. course there are. Yeah. But in the main, people may wear a mask, they, yeah. may, they may have to feel as they have to behave in a certain mm -hmm. way and they may be under significant pressure which causes them to behave strangely. Mm -hmm. But actually, they're just people, mm. and so I used to be nervous about walking into dressing rooms, you know, with big hitters in them, yeah. you know, and people who've got massive reputations. But actually, the more you bump into these people, you may all realise that the better are quite often 
Yeah. The more pressure they feel under and therefore the more they actually just want you to be normal. Yeah. Yeah. And they're probably more anxious about you nearly as you well, know. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'd be very nervous about going and didn't go into dressing rooms in competition very much. When 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 did you when do you think you worked that out or found that that out worked out the fact later that on been... later on I would certainly been working for for the what became the ECB for a good fifteen years. I did twenty five years in total and probably the last ten years of okay. my career there yeah. in coach development. Yeah. I started to work out that that maybe we're just overcomplicating this a little bit. Okay, yeah. yeah. And there's a brilliant book called um, Miss Smiller's Feeling for Snow, which is a Scandinavian crime thriller. And the, the feeling for snow represents an understanding that in Scandinavian languages there are multiple words for snow because yeah. there's so many different types and you have so much of it that the people who live in have a deeper understanding. Yeah. And I think I have a feeling for sport and a feeling for coaching, so it matters less about the sport. Yeah. Because I know sport, yeah, and I have a feeling for coaches, yeah. So there's a language, isn't there? There's yeah. a way in which you can speak to yourself and speak to yeah. others about what you're experiencing, what they're experiencing, what you're noticing. So this is this is probably a, a, quite a challenging question, Lordy. You know, I'm, I'm I'm thinking about the people that are listening to your. Well, story. I might not surprised that that's coming from yeah. you, Dave. <laughs> Here we go, right? I, I'm um, just thinking, you know, what, what, how do we help those people coming into sport learn from your? You know your your guidance or your story there to work that out for them. What what advice would you give somebody coming into this environment? I'm I'm a great fan of um, um, an approach which comes from neuro linguistic programming called yeah. perceptual positions. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So so what's that, that for the perceptual that, yeah. positions is where um, you and I are sitting opposite each other. Yeah. And in a normal interaction, yeah. I'm talking with you and you're talking with me. And yeah. you see me through your eyes and I see you through mine. Okay, yeah, great. And that's position one. Right. Position two is where I consciously, whilst I remain here in my chair physically, yeah. I kind yeah. of sit where you're sitting I look back at me through your eyes and I see what I'm seeing. Okay. So I notice then my communication. I notice how yeah. I'm coming across. across. Yeah. So that's position two. Yeah. Position three, and this is the really interesting one, is if I take myself out of my body and take myself away from where you're sitting, and I go and sit over, over there, there by the camera, right. and I observe this conversation yeah. from the third position. Yeah. And it's possible to do this, you actually practice it, yeah. and then you can see the nature of the interaction through others' eyes, not your own. And of course, yeah. when, when you're coaching somebody, they're seeing you through their eyes. Yeah. And sometimes being able to go and sit there in position three means that you're seeing the whole interaction because your behaviour impacts mine in the same way as mine may impact yours, but yeah. in a different way. So, so are we asking, are we suggesting that people that are coming onto this journey are beginning to think about how they can go and sit in that third position and look at or step out of the role and look back in? Yes, yeah, so I, I think there's the, there's the reflection in action, which is what we're talking about here. When yeah. You're doing it while you're doing it. Yeah. And then there's this whole approach to finding meaningful time to reflect okay. each yeah. day, probably. Yeah. In a quiet time, which is quite often driving home or just thinking about what did I notice? What did I notice? Yeah. Um, something seemed to trigger something there. I'll just remember that and calibrate it and see if something happens again. Yeah. And yeah. Um, what's been really interesting today is that when I did this, that 
created that behaviour in that person, what yeah. different behaviour in that person, what was yeah. that about? Yeah. And so that meaningful time to reflect, I think, yeah. is really important. Yeah. And I'd, I'd encourage people yeah. to think about that. And, and, and again, just looking at that sort of um, reflection in, in action, mm. And what what how might people engage in that if they're not used to it? Do you think what might be a, just a small first step to begin to practice that skill? Because you've you've obviously developed this over time. Yeah. Um, how might people start? Well, I, I I'm always interested in, in in the relative comfort or discomfort with okay. a pausing conversation. Yeah. And as you become more um, used to Mm-hmm. having a moment to reflect in action, yeah. then probably that pause gets shorter, shorter sometimes okay. there's no tangible pause. But yeah. actually being comfortable with that pause in a conversation where I'm actually just going to go and sit over there while I'm talking to you and noticing and okay, yeah. people don't mind. Yeah. You don't have to fill the space. Actually yeah. filling the space creates interference, yeah. which gets in the way of yeah. it. I'm nearly hearing, so not filling the space yeah. is maybe something that can people can start practicing yeah. not feeling more comfortable with yeah. that idea yeah. i'm not i'm trying to suggest for a moment that you you are filling your own space because yeah. you're actually consciously learning something okay great yeah um the challenge with it is that you need to become fairly adept here, otherwise it creates interference for you as a coach yeah okay so it's it's, it's like anything else it's a skill isn't it you practice yeah, it and, and you know i'm, I'm still practicing it and, yeah. and uh, what's really interesting doing this exercise is we've actually got a Third position we have, there. Yeah. So I'm going really to look forward to watching this yeah. and seeing whether my perceptions of how we're going actually what's what's coming across. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Great stuff. It's actually, putting a camera on yourself is quite a good idea, isn't it? Well, and, and that's a thought in itself, isn't yeah. it, about actually how, how we create that third party yeah. or, or yeah. Um, video watch ourselves yeah, in, yeah. in action and then yeah. and reflect back on it yeah, yeah. both verbally and yeah. and visually. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, con- I'm conscious that we, we could keep going on this and I, I, I'm loving the conversation. I'm just to drill us down then into a few sort of tangible things, I'm going to fire a few mm. quick questions at you, which without going into too much dialogue, um, you know, well, give me your gut feel or your gut first answer that comes back. So um, what, what, what would you say that the, 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 the two kind of books or articles that you would refer to um, and that have had the biggest impact on, on your career to date, what would they be? You can, mentioned I you, can I give you three? Go on, give me three. Yeah. So I've yeah. already mentioned one. Yeah. In a game of tennis, yeah. single way, yeah. um, performance equals potential minus and influence. Brilliant. Part of that book. Yeah. Um, having had the privilege to also meet Tim yeah. and introduce Tim to Neil Abley, who yeah. gave me the book the first <laughs> time, was immense privilege. Yeah. Um, so that would be book number one. Yeah. Book number two um, looks at, and I used the word authentic earlier on, and I, it's a sort of buzzword management word now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about being you. Yeah. Okay. And um, there is a brilliant book by Goffey and Jones called Why Should Anyone Be Led By You? Yeah. And okay. the strap line from that book is be yourself with more skill. Be yourself so, with more skill. So you know how players sometimes say, yeah. that's the way I play. Yeah. And I've never heard a coach say it, but I think some coaches sometimes think, I know I did, that's the way I coach. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. You owe it to yourself and the people you're working with to become increasingly skillful in being you. Yeah. As opposed to just being you. Being you. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's not not about range. But that's not about just playing or coaching, that's about living, isn't it? That's kind of being being a person in in your community, in your world. Yeah. Yeah. Be yourself with skill. Well, I I talked earlier on about that. I, I. 
in my early career, mm -hmm. it probably still I have a default position which is support rather than challenge. Yeah. Um, you're one of the best I know at providing that challenge but in a supportive way. Yeah. Um, so I've had to learn to adapt that. Yeah. Um, and I practice it. Yeah. And I notice what's going on when I do it, and I yeah. notice when it feels, it always feels a bit clunky actually. Oh, um, and, and knowing you for 20 years, you're pretty skilled at that. Now. now, oh, much more yeah. so than you ever were, but you're, you're one of the best around, you know, and I'm not just saying that because you're. Uh, well, I'm old and grey, it's probably had plenty of games no. on it and got it wrong a lot of times. So, anyway, so that would be my, my, my second book. And the third book I was given by, by um, a young Australian AFL legend a few weeks ago. So, I was down doing some work um, with a brilliant guy called John McDermott at Spurs yeah. Football Club. Yeah. And he had invited in Sam Mitchell. Okay. who um, was the captain of Hawthorne's AFL side right. 2014-16 to 16 when they won the Premiership three years on the bounce. Yeah. And he's now two years into a coaching career. Right. And he was reflecting on um, how he had changed as a person yeah. because he was now coaching and a father. Oh, right. so, yeah. so his book is called Relentless right. and he explores this what made him what he was as a player, which was he failed the draft, he was, yeah. he was slow, he was um, heavy, he lacked strength. Yeah. But what he did have was a phenomenal work ethic yeah. and the ability to read the game quicker than anybody else. So he was yeah. always half a step ahead and they recognised that, signed him and he became a great player. Not just a good one, a great player. And his book is very self-reflective and very insightful. And for coaches, I think the the bit where he starts talking about how he's changed is yeah. is, is telling. Yeah, and powerful so he's sort of self yeah. self coach really, I suppose. But okay. phenomenal. So I, those are three ones which popped to mind. I mean, there are many more. I love love a read. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, know, I know. Okay, great. And that's really three really powerful um, books there. My, my next question would be uh, again, quick fire, gut feel. Who would be the two or three most inspirational, impactful people that you've had throughout your career? And, and I've heard, we've heard many people that you've talked about, but um, I'm going to push you yeah, for Yeah, okay. Um, many people have had an impact. Yeah, if yeah, I name yeah. two or three now, I'm yeah. going to miss loads. Loads, yeah, I, I get that. I, I find so many things about people yeah. and so many people inspiration. Yeah. Um, I had the privilege of meeting a guy called Chris Grant, yeah. Um, who, who um, claimed to fame working in, in the city in financial services yeah. training and stuff, um, ended up chairing the group that implemented chip and pin in the UK. Yeah. So okay. you can imagine a room full of bankers. And <laughs> he is the most adept at reading a room. Okay. And he uses this expression, me, we, which is he puts himself in the chair of a meeting and he goes, where am I with this? Hmm. Where are you with this? And then where are we with this? Okay. And yeah, there's this yeah, pulsing powerful. in and out of noticing what's going on. And I'm sure you relevant for me thinking about dressing rooms and tinkers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's always a lot going on. Yeah. And his understanding of group dynamics is quite phenomenal. Yeah. And through Grit, Chris, I met um, a brilliant little American woman called Wendy Palmer, okay. who um, is an Aikido master, who's coached presidents of the United States as an executive coach and has written a book called Leadership Embodiment. And um, <laughs> Wendy's understanding of the impact of physical posture on presence yeah. is as good as I've ever seen. 
So his, his, her understanding of her physical presence, born of her understanding of martial arts, mm -hmm. and then how that translates into having presence on stage mm -hmm. is quite phenomenal. Mm -hmm. So when I met Randy, we were talking about um, a slide she put up, and on yeah. the slide there were about 30 people, some right. of whom I recognised, some of whom I didn't. Yeah. And she was saying that as a, a young person, she'd been very nervous about speaking on stage. And this is something yeah. people relate to, you know, this idea oh, of <laughs> one of the deepest fears. Yeah, yeah. And um, she said she was always good at talking to one, but she had a great fear of talking to many. Okay. Yeah. And the way she got through with that was she had this slide in her mind of the people yeah. who had helped her. Okay. And yeah. family, friends, mentors, coaches. Yeah people she'd had an impact on, so she felt good about. Okay. And she said, when I walk on stage, I have all those people standing behind me. So her strength was referred, it came from the people who had given her depth, mm -hmm. which I thought was fabulous. And she said, um, if you can coach one, and you can talk to one, yeah. doesn't necessarily mean you can speak to a thousand. But you may be able to. I've met plenty of people who can speak to a thousand, they can't think to speak to one. Mm -hmm. Which do you think is more important? So, being able to speak to a person. Yeah. So, her, not only did she have these group of people behind her, but when she's yeah. talking to 10,000, yeah. she's still talking to that one, and, and that, one, one. that one, yeah. that one. Yeah. So, it's individual conversations yeah. and the personalization of a message through eye yeah. contact, posture. Yeah. And the, this stuff that goes on with human connection, yeah. which she gives an amazing insight to, into oh, 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 so that's that's pretty powerful. It is. Um, yeah. Uh, I'll tell you who's inspired me. And again, this was last week. Great. Yeah. So I, I was down at um, at Spurs, and I was introduced to some a name I recognised, Pat Jennings. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. When I was yeah. a young kid. <laughs> when I was a young kid, I was a goalkeeper. Yeah. He was one of my absolute heroes. I had no idea he was doing some goalkeeping coaching. It's really isn't. Again, John got him in, and um, just to spend a few minutes in the presence of your child idol, brilliant, and to realise he's 73 years old now. He's <laughs> absolutely ripped. He's got the biggest hands, the strongest hands, <laughs> and he was very, very kind in sharing not only with me but the other people in the room the the fact that if this which had been a fundamental part of yeah. his goalkeeping success, came yeah. from the fact between the age of 14 and 17, he'd worked with a tree surgeon oh. in normal oh. Yeah. So this this amazing power in his hands was deep-seated. Yeah. So he didn't come from school. He played Gaelic football as a young kid, which okay. is why he was good in the air. Yeah. So having somebody who had been such a great and such a legend, and earlier that day, they played um, the This Is Your Life programme, in which Towards the to end him, of for him, for the kids he was working, working with. with, and he was there, and a cool, humble, generous, Person, yeah. brilliant, genius of a man. And the the two first people who came on, Amy and Andrews, invited yeah. on the program. We listened to <laughs> recognise this in your life were Pele and George Best. Oh, now that's... you just think the esteem in which that guy must have been held. And then you know you you're meeting somebody who's your idol. So I got goosebumps about that. So oh. that's probably a sort of self. It's a it's a selfish story. Well, and 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 then and, and I'm going to flip the coin there. And in, in and this might be again a, an unfair question, but um, 
give me a sense of who, who do you think you've had the biggest impact and inspired? Oh, Whether it's an individual or a... And why? Because you, you, you have so many, and I appreciate that, but I'm just wondering, which ones resonate with you? Where, did, where have you made your biggest I, awesome I, I, I'm, I'm really going to struggle with that. Um, yeah. Because there's a, there's a thing in... <laughs> I think there's a thing in coaching about understanding that okay. impact isn't immediate. And, okay, and, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. The, the people who had the biggest impact on me, some of whom would never know, which I regret. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. So... You know, I often I would counsel people who, when they're talking to me about who's had an impact on me, I said, "Do they know that?" And they said, well, "I don't know." No. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just be, just say yeah. thank you. Yeah. Because because the impact people have is phenomenal. Yeah. So I I genuinely can't answer okay. that. Yeah. I, I'd like to know who I think I've had an impact on, but I yeah. may or may not have done because I I don't go asking. Yeah. Um, I get huge satisfaction yeah. and fulfilment. I love helping people and seeing people grow. Yeah. But it's sometimes the environment which is growing them, it's sometimes them that's growing mm-hmm. themselves. And sometimes on occasions, I'm sure I've had an impact, but I wouldn't like to take credit okay. for any individual. Yeah. And Lord, we could go on all day, and, um, and I'm fascinated by your story. And I know there are so many parts of your story which you've, you haven't shared because we haven't got time to share them. Um, I, I just would like to sort of give you the opportunity just to f- finish off here in terms of actually if people want to find out more about what you do and how you do it how might they be able to um, find out more um, well when I when I left the union in April I established a, a company a limited company which is called get coaching okay I had to call it limited so get coaching limited <laughs> isn't, isn't great is it really I want it unlimited yeah um, unlimited uh, <laughs> brilliant but I have a, a small website which just really is. Um, I was quite interested. You asked me the question about who I'd have had an impact on, and I did ask some people I've worked with over the years just yeah. to write a few words. So there's some some very kind and thoughtful and generous endorsements on there, yeah. um, and it just talks a little bit about some of the stuff that I'm doing and who I'm working with at the moment. Yeah. Um, I'm always happy to talk to anybody about coaching and about yeah. them and yeah. stuff. Um, and, co- and I hear coaching in its broadest sense of actually developing of people. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what coaching is really. Yeah. I think a subset of coaching is performance. Yeah. But um, I genuinely believe that John Wooden said, mm-hmm. good coaches mm-hmm. change games, great coaches change people, change lives. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that um, I wouldn't call myself as a, a, a great coach, yeah. but I'm working on it. Yeah. And I'll work on it till the day I die. Yeah. And, and Laurie, on that note, you know, I think it's it, it, it's a pleasure for me to have to say this. You know, I, I've always wanted to talk to you in this way and, and hope we can continue to do so. But I, I know for certain you've, you've impacted on me and my journey. You know, I know you were very kind in offering me a similar sort of feedback. But I also know that you've impacted and um, made a real difference to many people's journey, not just in cricket, but in sports and across the whole, whole spectrum. So, uh, well, yeah. No, well, it's been great to chat. Yeah. That's a luxury for us, isn't it? Well, it is. It is. And just to talk, talk about. Hey, brilliant. Brilliant. And, 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 comfortable. Well, <laughs> and, 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 you know, just to finish off, thank you ever so much, you know, and, and the purpose of the sports stories is to really inspire people, not just in, in, in cricket, but actually in sport and across the world, really, because I think sport is such a powerful vehicle. And what you have done for me, you shared how it's impacted both. You know, through the tough times and the good times over your career, 
Um, and you know, um, I'd love to have you back on the Sports Stories podcast at some stage just to share further bits because you. your insights are so valuable. So, Gordy, thanks, thanks very much. So that was the sports story of Gordon Lord, internationally recognised people developer. I'm sure you will agree there were countless pearls of wisdom and sincerely hope that you enjoyed the conversation and that there was something there for you to take away and use. I do hope that Lordy will join us again on the Sports Stories podcast as I have a real sense that there are many more stories and amazing insights we would love to hear from him. Should you wish to find out more about what Lordy does, how he does it, then please take a look at his website getcoaching.net that's getcoaching.net also don't miss out on looking at the show notes where there is a summary of key parts of the conversation including the responses to the quickfire questions you will also find some links to the books and resources mentioned and finally to you the listener it's been great to have you with us on the sports stories podcast today i do hope you have valued listening and have taken some form of learning or inspiration from the conversation There will be further podcasts released next week and it would be great to have you listening in. To find out more, not to miss any of our guests, please also follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook and of course don't forget to subscribe. If you want to contact me directly, then email me on sportsstories247 at gmail.com. We will always welcome feedback and recommendations on future guests. Thanks again for listening and I really look forward to having you with me on the next show.